0: Welcome to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Heest. Welcome back, everybody, to
2: another episode of the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Heest, and this is the podcast for becoming better habitat managers. I want to thank the listeners once again for tuning in, and we have a great episode for you here today. None other than Bobby Cole from Mossy Oak Gamekeepers. Now, if you're like me, you've heard of Bobby Cole before. You followed him either on Mossy Oak's team, uh, the Gamekeeper team. You've seen him on Jury Outdoor shows. I mean, this guy is a habitat guru. It's a little bit interesting because he's you know hunting down in Mississippi, down south. So it's very cool that we have to pick his brain and ask him. Many different questions about what he's got going on these days. We talked to him about what our Mossy you Oak know, Gamekeepers in that whole program. We talked to him about what's innovative in the habitat world these days. Uh, food plotting now and into the future. What's new coming into the future. And, you know, the types of habitat works that they do down south that maybe we don't cover enough on the show. So, it's a super interesting episode and Bobby is just a great guy. And a great conversation. So I'm very excited to tell you guys about it and, and show it to you here. Um, first, I want to thank 5-2 Outdoors for bringing us this episode. Uh, Dale is the owner of 5-2 Outdoors down in Jones, Michigan. So if you're in Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, Kentucky, you're within a few hours of Dale. And Dale is uh, the distributor of Packer Max called Packers and also Lazy Man Blinds. Now, if you look up Lazy Man Blinds, they're a fully fiberglass blind in two pieces that you can easily manage to set up by yourself or with another guy. So, for me, who, well, you know, I do all this stuff by myself all the time, it's easier for me to set up a blind like that than, say, a big heavy blind where I need a tractor or a forklift to, to help do. So, I went down, I saw Dale, I checked out these blinds and checked out his setup. Guys, Dale is the real deal. He's uh, a habitat manager just like us. He gave me a tour of his property. We're going to get him on the podcast here soon. But if you want to hear more about Dale, the blinds, the offers, uh, and 5-2 Outdoors in general, check out 5-2 Outdoors.com. That's F-I-V-E, the number two, outdoors.com. Check him out on Facebook. Give him a follow. He's just another great habitat guru like the rest of us. I mean, good dude. So... Thanks, Dale, for, you know, supporting the podcast and and bringing us this this episode. So, guys, it's uh, midsummer. Food plot prep is on the mind. I'm actually on a family vacation right now recording this uh, mobile podcast sitting at a picnic table. But uh, I hear some dogs in the background, some kids and whatnot. But, you know, Habitat is on the mind. As soon as we get back from this, it's go time. I got some plots that are sprayed. I'm going to go back, maybe spray one more time depending on how they look. And then uh, get some planting in early to mid August for the brassicas. I'm thinking about doing some uh, oats and rye and that good stuff come uh, late August, early September. So I hope you guys are all having a good summer. I, I you know I want to thank you so much for following the podcast. And then uh, you know just if you have any questions or do anything cool, hit us up on Facebook. Check us out. Um, If you want, go over to iTunes and leave us a good review on there. We're sending out free decals for anybody who leaves us a good review on iTunes. And last but not least, guys, I want to tell you to keep an eye out for our new website coming soon and the line of apparel and goods we're going to be offering. Uh, If you want to help support the podcast, it's a great way to do it, and we, we really appreciate you guys checking it out. So without further ado, let's get Bobby Cole from Mossy Oak on the line. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Habitat Podcast. We have my co-host Brian on the line and a special guest today, Bobby Cole from Mossy Oak. How are you doing today, Bobby?
3: I'm doing great, guys. I'm excited to be with y'all.
2: Yeah, we're excited to have you. Thanks for coming on and, uh, you know, it's a beautiful Friday. At least it is up here. How about where you're at?
3: Yeah, we uh, you know, it's, it's probably gonna get about 95 degrees today with 90% humidity. So we're we're beginning to get into the dog days of summer down here in Mississippi.
2: Oh, baby, that is warm. <laughs> Brian, how about where you're yeah. at?
0: Yeah, it
1: was almost 90 yesterday up here in northeast Ohio, which yeah. I needed I needed this week to get everything dried out because I'm uh. Money about halfway done with food plots, but it's going to be 90 again today.
2: Yep, yep. And s- same here in Michigan. It was a uh, 85 yesterday and the day before, so maybe summer's finally arrived here for us. Um, Bobby, it sounds like you guys are you've had it for a minute there, so.
3: Yeah, you know, I, 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 listened to all the that I just got back just a few days ago from Minnesota, and I went up there and uh, went on a float fishing trip for smallmouth bass and wow. uh, on the on the Mississippi River. And the guy told me before I got up there, um, he said when we, we needed if it would be eighty five degrees, it would be and sunny, it would be perfect. And so uh, when we got up there, it was like sixty in the mornings and warmed up. To 75, I mean, it was, the wind was blowing, and, uh, and as soon as we leave, it sounds like the temperatures have
2: gotten right. <laughs> yeah. Never fails. Never fails. You can't control that stuff. It always happens that way.
3: What? And, uh, we, we caught a few smallmouth, but, they, uh, but he, he kept telling me, man, if we just had a little bit better weather, you'd really get to see what it was like.
2: Yeah, it was a great fighting fish, too.
3: Oh, man, that was so much fun. That was my first time to catch
2: one. Oh, very nice. Hey, how did your deer season end up? I know when I was talking to you earlier this year, you were still hunting. Um, how'd that end up?
3: Yeah, you know, um, uh, I, I had one of the best seasons I could remember, and it wasn't because I killed a deer, but my daughter killed a the biggest deer she's ever seen. Uh, the, the, it's actually the biggest deer that's come off the lease that we've had for about twenty five years, twenty four years, and um, it it was that it was kind of just all the hard work of food plots for years and years and years, and improving some habitat, and uh, you know, letting the younger bucks grow and working on the wild pigs and just all that kind of came together and it was about a from the time we saw the deer till we finally got him killed was about 45 minutes and it was just an intense hunt and it it was just just kind of like i I don't know we can ever top it it was just incredible Uh, so i have really fond memories of this past year season
2: oh that's great man what a cool story too how old's your daughter
3: uh yeah, she's 24. So she's uh, uh
2: she
3: she's been hunting with me since she was seven or eight years old, and and uh and 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 she she quick she's, she's quick to say that was the best hunting, and it was because you know it, it wasn't a deer that walked out in a food plot, and it, it, it we were hunting down in the woods and a swamp bottom that was really 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 thick. And we had a long walk, had a mile walk to get in there to, to go around to keep, to keeping the wind right. And I hadn't let anybody go in there all season and asked her, do you mind walking a mile? And like, no, that's perfect. So, but from the time we, we saw this buck was locked down on a doe, and we just kind of I, I, I saw him at about 300 yards, just glimpsed of ear move, and then I saw an antler, and then and then he's gone. And then 15 yards to the right, you see another ear move, and an ant... And then he'd be gone, and then he'd show up forty yards. He was just back and forth with this doe, and you would never see the whole deer; you just see bits and pieces of him. And it just took forever for the story, for the deer to move up there, and for it just to all come to. And it was right at dark when we finally got to pull the trigger. It was, it was just—I'm getting excited just thinking about it. It was just a great hunt. <laughs>
2: How far was <laughs> your shot?
3: It ended up being about sixty yards.
2: Yeah, oh, perfect, perfect. Oh, congratulations yeah. to her. That's awesome. What? How big a deer was it?
3: You know, the deer scored uh, about 155, if I remember right. I, 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 I'm not real big into scores, but it was, a, it was yeah. a nine point. It was just real, real. I mean, it was just a great deer.
2: Good night, man. That, I, think, so, that's, that's
3: great. I think it weighed about 215. And, uh, But, you know, with kids, so many times, um, you know, and I'm guilty of this, but we take kids, we, we grow these food plots, and I'm, you know, big fan of the food plot biologic but but it's it becomes so easy to take kids and go sit in a shooting house on a food plot and that you know an hour before dark the deer start coming and oftentimes that's not teaching kids any um you know woodsmanship skills so i'm a big you know i love food plots they're a huge part of what we do and i never would get away from that but I also support people you know getting off those food plots and getting back down in the woods and teaching kids how to on a game trail, and, you know, find a sign that would say, hey, there's going to be some deer come through right here. And, you know, just learn, it, learn in the woods. It's, it's important.
2: Great point. Great point. Well, I appreciate so I, I
3: know I got you off track, so uh, why don't you wrangle us back where you want to go?
2: <laughs> no problem. I was just about to go there. You're good. I Hey, deer stories, especially deer stories with kids, are, are amazing. So I could listen to that all day long. You got me excited over here, too. And it's only—it's not even July yet. So here we go. But you know, normally we start off this podcast with learning about who the guest is, um, where they're from, kind of paint a picture of your background. It's one of my favorite parts. Uh, if you don't mind diving into that, Bobby, we'd love to hear about it.
3: Yeah, um, you know, I'm a guy. Um, I've been here at Montshire for 24 years, and um, and I'll. Just a guy that I grew up loving to deer hunt and to turkey hunt, and then um, and I just I got you know went to school in Alabama. I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama, and and uh, went to Auburn in Montgomery, and um, and stayed in Montgomery so I could 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 hunt. And uh, it took me a little longer to finish college than most people, because I would take off in the in the fall so I could deer hunt, and I would take off in the spring. So I could turkey hunt and so it uh college was uh, took a while. But um uh, I, I got over it, you know, I found my uh, you know, working at Moss Jirk has just been such a blessing. It's a, it's a great company and uh, we everybody loves the outdoors and just and has so much respect for wildlife and and land and so it's been a great fit for me. And um through the years we started um we started Biologic, which, is, which has been a company I've just been really passionate about, understanding well, how to grow things to enhance uh, wildlife and enhance habitat. And, um, and so learning about some of the technology that was going on in New Zealand, which is New Zealand is the world's leader in forage research. And we started importing some of these plants from New Zealand and to learn how they – you know the the number uh, number one industry in New Zealand is tourism. Number two is deer farming. So they raise um, red red deer down there. And so it's a huge industry. and so the, the average deer farmer down there is trying to go as big a deer as he can as quickly as he can. And they're also they sell the velvet antlers, so they want to grow a deer with heavy, heavy antlers. And you know, at one time I didn't know, but I think they're getting like a hundred and forty dollars a pound for those velvet antlers. So it's real; it's a big part of that. What that, that whole process? So, um, their universities, like our land grant universities in, in the United States, we're doing research into how to grow, uh, how to improve their deer. Where our universities, is typically until the last fifteen years, has been a, more about cattle, always about cattle, and then deer were kind of secondary. So, um, so we we you know we found this company, and they're a hundred year old company. And they've done all this research into uh, growing forages specifically for deer, and uh, so it was clovers and brassicas and some chicories and. We started importing them and playing them in food plots just to improve the hunting on our property, and the deer were just annihilating them. We like to say the deer were turning the plots into dirt and turds. And you, the more we saw it, and we had buyers from different businesses that we were selling camo to that were like, man, we could sell this seed, and we all need to package this. And so that's kind of how Biologic was born. I'm giving you the very short version of it. There was a lot more to it than that, but... But uh, we just kind of uh, uh, big fans of, of, hey, you know, if you'll do this right, if you'll soil test and you'll lime and you'll fertilize correctly and you'll plant this at the right time of year and you don't overplant, don't put – guys, one of the things that frustrates me the most is, you know, a lot of people think, well, if 10 pounds is good, 20 pounds will be great. And that's not necessarily <laughs> the case, you know. But see, right. And, so you know, but but our stuff is is premium, and it and it, you know it, it's got to have rain, it's got to have sunshine. But, but we just we see it really do great for guys, and it's you know interestingly enough, it does better up in the part of the world where you guys are. It seems like, and it, or y'all have better growing conditions up there, these cool summers. Um, and uh, the, the really great, y'all can grow some great clover up there, and I'm kind of jealous of it because we get these hot summers are really tough on our clover down here. But um, it's, it's you know I'm beginning to ramble. I can I can tell when I'm beginning to ramble. But uh, the, I, I started 24 years ago, and, and we started biologic about 20 years ago, and then uh, and then about 10 years ago. We started a magazine called Gamekeepers, and the whole idea was just was it wasn't to, you know, promote our products per se, but it was just kind of try to help shine a light on the right way to do things and to show people how they can have so much fun on their property 12 months out of the year, not just during deer season, because it used to be that guys really only showed up at their hunting club a couple of weeks before the season started and then as soon as it was over they you know they were gone and um so now we're we're seeing guys that are realizing that, that there's a lot that they can do on their property during the off season that can improve the hunting and they can enjoy doing this and the you know game cameras and mineral supplements and the spring and summer food plots to go along with fall food plots and perennial plots and all this stuff just it's, it's um you know it's just you know, it it's the labor of love if you're a gamekeeper, and so that we started the magazine and that uh was a way for us to kind of spread the message and then uh, about four or five years ago we started the television show, which is on the pursuit network and um and that's that's a lot of fun' because we're able to go to different people's properties all over the country and showcase what they're doing to improve their habitat and improve their wildlife and the enjoyment of their property and and uh, so we've got we've got that, and we've got the the, the Gamekeepers Club where they can the guys can sign up and get a uh, every Tuesday you get an email about what you can be doing this time of year on your property that's real season specific, and you get the magazine, you get discounts if you want to buy seed, or we, we actually have a Gamekeeper line of clothing now, it's field wear and casual wear and work wear. And, so that, that's that been a lot of fun. So we've got, we've got a lot going on with
1: gamekeepers and biologics right now. So, Bobby, uh, I can't imagine too many of our listeners that aren't familiar with gamekeepers. I know Jared and I are very familiar. Uh, but could you go into a little bit about what you guys focus on as gamekeepers? We know it's not just deer, but uh, talk about some of the other things you touch on in the magazine or on the show.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if we if we had to rate them, deer would probably would deer would be number one. Turkeys would be number two. Um, waterfowl would be three, and then we do some upland birds, and then we do uh, some uh, fish pond management. And I'm not ranking them in our order of how we enjoy things, but it's just like it, it just seems like there are more people interested in deer, and then next right. would be turkeys. So that's kind. Of, so every issue of the magazine has some of what I just mentioned, um, an article about that, and then and then we kind of get off on tangents sometimes. And Dudley will write an article on pollinators, or uh, we've we've got a lady that does some recipes in the magazine all the time that are re- really really good. But we're always always really focused on deer, turkeys, waterfowl, um, and, and I love upland birds. We always try to have something in there on upland birds, and then the, the Pond management is, is something that uh, we we've we've really kind of found a niche in teaching people about how they can there's some tips and tricks that they can do on their ponds that can really Im- improve their productivity. So, um, when you think of gamekeepers, that's that's kind of the crux of what we're doing because we we're occasionally uh, with the television show we've done some stuff on some elk management and some stuff with some mountain lions, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Those are just to me are just Interesting wildlife management stories of, of of people out in that part of the world that are gamekeepers, but we we typically don't you know do a lot of articles in the magazines on on that sort of stuff. So, it, but what's fascinating to me? I mean, there are gamekeepers all over the world. I and mean, then there's guys in South America that are that are working very very hard to manage jaguars, and there are guys in uh, in Africa that are managing all sorts of plains game and stuff. So. There are gamekeepers literally all over the world managing wildlife, and and you know where they are, and that's that's so fascinating to me. Sure,
1: yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned the ponds; that's that's becoming really popular. There's been a lot of discussions on our uh, social media and some of our other venues by a lot of listeners getting into building their own ponds and taking care of them.
3: Yeah, there sure is. Um, you know, in, in where we are in the South, we can fertilize our ponds and turn that water green, and it's get, you know it's real high in plankton, and, uh, and and we can really increase the carrying capacity of a pond. You guys in the North, y'all's water temperature doesn't get warm enough for long enough to really be able to fertilize your ponds in a big, hard way. And, so um, it's, 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 there's two different uh, types of management that kind of come into play there. But what one of the things that we've seen that had such so, success is a company called moss Back Fish Habitat, and they make these uh, these structures that you can drop down in a pond, and within a few weeks the moss will start growing on them, and they're they'll last literally forever. They they, they don't break down, and um, so you can you can have structure, and they have these guys are so smart about the way they do it. They've got some that are real real tight. The the limbs are real tight, so bait fish can get in there, and larger fish can't get in there, and those bait fish can feel safe. And then they'll put a what they call a trophy tree off to the side of this bait uh, root line, and it's got larger limbs, if you will, that allow larger fish to hold around it. So, uh, so when you you know when you put them out, that you know you come back later and go fishing, you you know that there's going to be you've got a relative, you can be confident that 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 the scenario is set for a larger fish to be hiding around that trophy tree and feeding off of the bait that's attracted to that root wad, and it really does work. It's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, that sounds like it. I'll have to check that out. Well, tell us a little bit about the uh, Gamekeeper Club. What's the value in joining, and uh, what, what would our listeners get if they signed up for that?
3: Well, uh, it's, it's only like twenty bucks a year, and um, so you get four magazines. The magazines like one hundred seventy-five pages. It comes out quarterly. Every time I tell people, every time the seasons change, we'll have a new magazine in your mailbox, and um, so. So it's some, you know it's really really the, the magazine is, uh, itself is worth the twenty bucks and if you if you don't want to subscribe you, the, the, your listeners could uh, the Walmart on the newsstand at Walmart has it and tra- every tractor supply also has it. Bass Pro has it at their checkout counter. So they could check out one issue and see if they like it. But also when you when you join the club you get uh, there's discounts. There. So if you if you're a, a subscriber. Uh, and you wanted to buy some biologic directly from us, you get a 10% discount. If you wanted to buy some trees from Native Nursery, you get a 10% discount. And the same with any of our field wear clothing, um, you, you get a little bit of a discount. So if a guy has, you know, much in the way of land demands and he's, he's buying uh, a couple hundred dollars worth of food plot seed a year, you know, he can pay for his magazine subscription pretty easily that way. But... Um, It's just a it's just a really neat way for us to be able to communicate how to do some things, and it's in a fact you know magazines kind of old school now. These younger guys like yourselves, y'all probably consume most of your media on your iPhone, and um, so a, a magazine is something that a guy can. And stick in a in a drawer and hang on to and save or stack in a corner and go back and look at it later and you know we're we're learning that our, we have a lot of guys that communicate to us that they actually love just having to be just being able to hold touch feel this magazine as opposed to it being a digital you know a digital entity that's on their phone so I, I hope it'll stay that way I'm a big fan of magazines.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're onto something there. I think uh, no matter how digital we get, and we all are very digital, um, there's something there's something nice about having that, you know, on your desk in the office next to your laptop, uh, whatever it is, just to be able to glance at every now and then. And I mean, between yours and the 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 KDMA magazine that they put out, I mean, it's just nice having something strictly focused on the stuff we like, you know, and yeah, it's a touch field. It's yeah. all, all good stuff.
3: Yeah, QDMA does a great job. Then They're so focused on deer. They have yeah, great information on deer. So we're trying to be just a little more well-rounded in, uh, in, in our approach, but you know, I'm big fans of QDMA and Brian Murphy
2: and all those guys. They do a great job. Well, you're right about that. I mean, I like how you're, you're being more well-rounded and we also should be and, and are trying to be as well. We keep going back to deer. It's just that's what we're obsessed with, and and a lot of people are obsessed with it. But it is fun to talk to those people who do the pond stuff or or whatever, like you're saying. So, nice job on that, and I encourage everybody to check out that magazine. That's that's a great publication you guys are putting out.
3: Yeah, thank you for
2: saying so. No problem. Um, now moving on. I know we kind of touched on some of the stuff you're you've been working on in the past. and now, I'd like to talk to you guys about any innovative things you're working on. I mean, you're one of the leading companies out there in the habitat world, uh, if not V, and I'm just wondering, uh, what are you guys working on these days that, that maybe we, you know, what excite us? something new? Anything at all or new plant varieties yeah. or any research? What do you got going on?
3: Well, you know, I tell you, one of the, one of the challenges is, is um, you know, you can't just create a plant, uh, a, a plant variety that does this or that. So um, it, 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 it makes some things, it makes a challenge to come up with some new stuff, but there's new ways to do, new, new blends, new ratios, new ways of doing doing things. And we're, uh, we've been working with a company out of Arkansas called Stratton, and uh, we're working on some stuff that next year some that, that we'll we we'll have ready to go. That years ago, you guys may not remember this, but about 15 years ago, we had a Roundup Ready blend of corn and soybeans, and oh, yeah. it's called Bi- it was called BioMax, and it it was just an incredible product. It did very really, very really well, but at that time, all the Roundup Ready technology was still the licensing fees were still having to be paid to Monsanto, and they were trying to, you know, make as much as they could on the thing, and, it just, and it, I remember it went from being like $49 an acre to, to one year to three years later, it was 120 and it, and we weren't making more money, but it was just a tech fee that Monsanto and was charging us, and so we just had to abandon that, but we've we've kind of cracked the code on getting back into that in an efficient, effective way, and so I'm really excited about that. So a guy, not only a deer for a guy trying to manage uh, his deer herd, but uh, waterfowl hunters, I think, will benefit from this blend as well. So that's something that's that's exciting that's going on. Um, we, our non-typical clover, I don't know if you guys ever planted any of that, but oh my goodness, that, I, that is such a fantastic blend from Biologic. It's a it's a white ladino clover that has really big, large leaves. I mean, the, the leaves are sometimes the size of a silver dollar, and and uh, it grows kind of low to the ground, so it doesn't have a lot of stem to it. It's just a fantastic clover for deer. And it it it's late to bloom, which means so in the spring time, spring of the year, especially when antler genesis is getting started, it stays more productive in that forage mode longer, about six weeks longer. So we see we see some real benefit in that. And and then lastly, we've been really teaching guys. We've got a blend called Whistleback that's really designed for upland birds, but we're seeing guys and, and and when we started doing this, and we're teaching folks, and we're been getting some really positive response to planting this on the edge of food plots specifically um, it, it creates an edge effect that deer are more comfortable with than just that hard line from the end of the woods straight into the food plot and so um, it creates that we recommend recommending guys plant this in strips about eight to ten feet wide grows up eight or ten feet tall and it's pretty thick has a million seeds that so songbirds and upland birds benefit from it and well your turkeys will wear it out but that edge effect that it creates we're seeing that bucks will or cautious bucks are a little more willing to kind of step out into the edge or put their head out a little earlier in the afternoon with that edge effect going on than they were before so um, we're excited about that. We're trying to figure out how to communicate that and tell that story a little bit better.
2: Wow, that sounds super interesting. And this is uh, probably a good spot for you to communicate that story. Honestly, um, yeah. Are those a perennial or annual blend for that mix?
3: Uh, so the Whistleback blend, uh, it is an annual. You need to. You would have some of it would volunteer, but but it's. It's mostly, it's mostly annuals. You need to plant it every year. Okay. And, um, yeah,
2: so, and, it, and it's really easy to plant and really easy to grow. Okay, great. Um, it kind of leads us into our, our next topic. I mean, you kind of mentioned a couple different blends that you offer. Uh, what's your all-time favorite blend that, that you guys have well, offered? Well, it was-
3: yeah, it, it would probably be Green Patch Plus. Uh, just to we've kind of nicknamed that one uh, Bubble Blend, or Bubble Blend. But it's not very expensive. I, I, I think for about thirty-five to forty dollars, you can plant an acre, a solid acre, and it's attractive from early to late. So the wheat notes that are in it are attractive early. It's got some clover in it. Uh, and and then the the brassicas in it will last you all the way to the end of the season. It's just a it's just a great dependable deer attracting blend. That's got some nutrition uh, to it, and I'm, I'm I'm really proud of that. And Green Patch Plus, it, it's 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 uh, we've had it. Biologic is about twenty years. We've had it about seventeen years, and wow. the recipe tweaks just a little bit, but it's still it's a just a fantastic proven winner.
2: Wow! Yeah, I've seen it on a few different shows um, for sure, and it always looks beautiful. That's for sure. Um, I got a question for you though. Normally, I, I'm sure you you've heard recently. No-till food plots are yeah. are big on the. On the, the fad these days, and, and for good reason, because you know it's it's a it's a good way to do food plots. How does Bobby Cole do his food plots, or, or biologic? What do you guys recommend?
3: Well, look, we have become fans of that whole no-till thing. Uh, the, the conserving your soil moisture is so important, and um, uh, so I think that's going to get more and more popular. And I think you're going to see some companies come out with some uh, some equipment. That makes it easier for the average guy to do that because right now some of that no-till equipment is pretty expensive um so you're asking me about my what i do I've, you know, i'm in a little club i was talking about it before a little lease with a couple other guys around here and we've had it a long time and um we've, we've got a little small tractor and we've got one of the small uh so uh, we typically we'll disc up the plots the old-fashioned way and then we use that furminator. Uh, we plant with it, and it's got a – it drops the seed, and then it, it's got some a packer on it that matches it in. The, the cultipacker packer is uh, so important. And, and I mean, I, I would highly recommend – the cultipacker packer is so important to create a good seed bed. And people always ask, well, what is a good seed bed? Well, you don't want all those dirt – you know, you, after you plow up the place sometimes, um, and you've got these big – dirt cloths, that, those are that's creating kind of little valleys and gaps and uh, uh, holes that the seed can fall down in and has no chance of being able to have enough energy to germinate uh, and then and rise up above the, uh, the ground. So that cultivator, oftentimes when we've got a scenario like that, we'll pack before we plant. So the cultivator will bust up those dirt clods and then you plant the seed, you'll broadcast seed out on top. A lot of these seeds that we've got with biological are really, really small, and they work, they, they can be broadcast very efficiently. And then we'll cultivate one more time just to ensure that you get that seed-to-soil contact. But uh, if, if you, you – know, the thermometer is a great piece of equipment, if, if, you know, it's not cheap. But a guy – there's quite a few cultivators. There's, there's one – actually, I think it's out of Michigan – uh, called Packer Max, but you can actually add water to it to make it heavier. Yes. and uh So, but I guess what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, there's a you know where, where so many food plots are planted. Where, you know, guys don't have, the, you know, they, they've got an old tractor they've got an old disc. They're doing the best they can. They don't, you know, they they work a regular nine to five job and they they don't have all the agricultural skills, so they're just doing the best they can. But there's one piece of equipment that everybody really needs to that that, that that person really needs to make sure that they have, and that's a packer to create that really good seed bed where you, where you've where you've got it busted down and you don't have big dirt cars. And if they do that and broadcast the seed and then uh, uh, and then pack it again, they can have a great food plot. But to circle back around to where you started, there's no doubt. It, it, that th- this no-till movement is something that everybody needs to pay attention to, and I, I'm very confident that there are some companies that are trying to figure out efficient smaller units for guys to do that because you, you save that soil moisture when you don't disc back up, and you, there's a lot of organic um, uh, ingredients that can be uh, or, that the soil is using and processing, and it, it's it's nothing but. A good thing when if you can keep from having to put a disc in the soil.
2: Now, great, great response. That was awesome. Um, I couldn't agree with you more on on the no-till. I've tried it; it, it does work and it does keep your soil uh, a lot cooler. Uh, and then that occulta the packer. I went through the same thing. I wasn't using one um, for the first couple of years, and I finally, you know, went out and bought one, and and my my plots have been. Much better, and we've been preaching that here on the show. Actually, funny you say that, that Packer Max, he was the first sponsor of our podcast. He's uh, oh, really? with a, a friend of mine now, and uh, that's a great piece of equipment. We talk about it all the time. It's funny you, uh, you happen to mention it, too. I think you guys uh, you guys branded one, I think, with, with the Gamekeeper logo and whatnot. Um, now,
3: yeah,
2: is there a way to use that call to Packer with a no-till method I, th- I mean, could you could you spray and then broadcast and then roll in or or have you guys ever tried something like that?
3: You know, um Jared early uh Forty-five minutes ago, when we first started talking, we we, we mentioned talking getting Dudley Phelps on your <laughs> podcast from our native nursery. Sure thing. And ha- so so when you have Dudley on, I want you to ask him. He he thinks he's invented a way to uh, uh, where, where he where he uh, he broadcasts seed, and then he bush hogs over the top of it and lets all that trash, the uh, dead leaf matter. Uh, fall on top of his seed and he's planting radishes this way and he's claiming that he's having some great success with it and i don't know that i can describe what he's doing because when he describes it to me i'm thinking why doesn't the bush hog sling all the seed everywhere but he says it doesn't so point is get him to explain that he's got something kind of interesting going on
2: No, I thank you. I will definitely do that. Uh, we'll get him on a, a future episode, and uh, and and so thanks for that. I just uh, I like how you guys think a cult packer is is as important, and um, the packing before, then seeding, then after. It seems monotonous. It seems like that first pack might not be needed, but I tell you what, you get the firm seed bed under the seed, you get the seed packed into it. That's a really a win-win. So.
3: Yeah, I'd, and, and look, you know, a culture packer. Whether you get a packer max or not, they're they're not real expensive. So, if, and especially if there's two or three of you guys hunting together, y'all can go in together and buy one. It'll last forever, and it makes all the difference in the world. And you know, one of the interesting things, guys all over all across the country figure out different ways to do things, and um, and so that, that you know, there's 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 not. Such clear-cut right and wrong answers. There's uh, guys who figured out. It just works for me. But um, having that good, it all starts with having a good seed bed. Because if you do not have a good seed bed, you, you're it's a challenge from the beginning.
2: Yes, sir. Well said. Well said. We've figured that out. Whether it's hinge cutting or or no till or or whatever you want to do. There's more than one way to skin the cat, and it's all very regional, and there's no one right way that we should all be proponents of. So very very well said. Um, now, there's something I wanted to cover that we haven't covered on the podcast yet, really, and I figured you might know something about herbicides. Is that something you uh, could shed some light on, a, a couple common ones that people use or maybe some uncommon ones people don't use that they should be aware of? Yeah,
3: you know I can't, and um, I, t- I tell you the interesting thing about herbicides can make you really look like you're a good farmer because uh, you know they can you can control weeds, and um, today there's there's all kind of spray rigs, and uh, it, it, it's it's a fantastic way, and, and look guys we've been we've had for a number of years we've had a water soluble fertilizer it's called mean green that we recommend that guys uh, once the food plot gets up they come they go back and spray over the top so it's foliar applied and the leaves absorb it and we just see it just it, it just adds a deep rich green to those food plots and it just it just sweetens those plants in fact some guys, even just spray the areas right around their tree stand, so that the, the deer prefer those plants over the rest of the plot. But one of the interesting things is you can also, with a lot of these chemicals. So if you're going to spray, uh, say you were going to spray some glyphosate on some uh, some soybeans to kill some weeds, you, you could you can spray the glyphosate and the mean green at the same time. So you're fertilizing your soybeans and you're killing your weeds. And the and the mean green actually um, helps that, 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 I'd say, work even better. And then we're seeing guys do it with some of the I, – I, I'm terrible at pronouncing names, but there's one, Clomethidin, uh, I think is what it is, that guys spray on their clover a lot. Um, you know, we, we see guys – we're just excited that we've learned that you can co the Mean Green with some other chemistry. And so uh, you're only riding over that food plot one time, but you're accomplishing two uh, missions. You know, you're killing your weeds and you're fertilizing your your crop as well. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so Jared, you asked asking me about specifics. And what, what I have learned is that a lot of these companies, um, you know, there's some great ones we've worked with, Helena in the past, um, that, that they have great chemistry, but there's a lot of generic uh, versions that every year are coming out that are a lot cheaper. So, so if you'll go to that farm supply store that sells chemicals to the farmers, and you'll just you just tell them what you got. Hey, look, I got clover. I've planted legumes, and I've got some grasses in them. They can tell you about some grass-specific generic herbicides, or or, or if, if you got broadleaf. If you got if you just tell them what you've got planted. And what you're trying to kill, that they, they can help you. And typically now there's some generics that can save you some money. Some of the name brand stuff like Post and some of the others that've been around for a long time, you know, they were they were kind of expensive. And uh, I mean, some of this, some of these chemicals will make you whistle when you hear how much they are, and they'll make you shy away. But there are there are some generic versions, so you just gotta ask for them.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. About going to the uh, farm supply and, and actually speaking to a person. That it's kind of like the magazine you mentioned. We get so wrapped up in the, the phones and the internet and trying to get answers to everything, and then we end up not even talking to a real person. But that's 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 good information for boots on the ground. You get on the street to your local farm supply. They don't really know the product that you need, but they they probably are familiar with the soils and the crops that are being grown in the area and they're going to steer you a lot better than than what a, what the internet might tell you.
3: Yeah, but you're absolutely right, and you, you know, and you, you you need to be confident that what you're doing is right because if it's not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can you can set uh, yourself back. For you sure. Cop, you know. Right. But uh, all that said, I'm a huge. Uh, I, when, when guys know what they're doing and they're using the right you know, chemicals, um, you, it, boy, it, it, it makes a big difference. No doubt.
1: And Bobby, you've hunted and worked all over the country on different habitats. Is, is there any one or two features or strategies that uh, you see that have worked just about everywhere? I know a lot of our listeners are in the south, and we, we get wrapped up in talking about a lot of the uh, strategies we use in the north is there anything that you guys are doing in the south that maybe we're missing up here
3: well i don't know that we're doing it here that y'all aren't doing it but the idea of having a sanctuary on your property that that, that nobody goes into nobody messes with nobody bumps deer out of all year long that, that that really works we see that work all the time and so you know that and it, sometimes that's hard to do on smaller properties um it's, but trying to do that and then on those smaller properties trying to reach out to your neighbors and everybody get on the same page. But I just, you know, you hate to hear stories about guys not getting along with their neighbors and you, like, every year you hear somebody say, well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and kill that deer because if I don't, they will. And, you know, that's just a, that's a horrible, horrible scenario that's unfolding. And, that. Uh, it, it, if you can work with your neighbors, if you can create those sanctuaries, and you all can be on the same page about what deer you want, you know what deer on the hit list and whatnot, and then then realize that hey, somebody's gonna have a kid at some point. Let that kid have fun. Don't don't hold hold the kids to the standards that you developed when you're 45 years old, you know. So don't begrudge a, a, a kid shooting a deer, a young a younger deer, and and have fun with it. So uh, you know that's. That's, that's kind of it in a nutshell for me but the, uh, uh, when we when we start looking at uh when you go to google earth and look down on a property and it, you know that that's one thing that allows you to see but your pro the benefit your property's got you may not have water on it your neighbor may have water and de- your deer are leaving to go there to get water every day twice a day so you got to realize that and you might want to figure out a way to try to create some water sources on your own property so um, I'm not sure I answered your question but yeah it's that's great. great
1: and what about mistakes have you seen any common mistakes that uh, people are making when you're
3: hunting around the country or helping guys with their property well no you know it's it's kind of hard if i I thought about that a little bit longer i probably i probably could come up with stuff but you know i may go back to my answer about letting kids enjoy it it, it's a big mistake for guys to just take things a little too serious you know and and um Look, if you're 45 years old and you've been hunting for 25 years, you've got a different way of looking at things than a than a 13 year old little boy's gonna have when he walks out there the first time. We're having a hard time recruiting hunters to come right. into the into the sport. And then you know, if you bring that 13 year old and tell him, "Hey, this deer's gotta don't shoot anything that's not 135 inches or, or whatever your standard is." Yeah, that can kind of make it where it's not as much fun for them. as they, I mean, they, we can get them to where they want to manage the trophy deer, but let's let them have fun right, right out of the gate. So that, that's a big mistake, I think, if guys don't allow the kids to have a good time.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Definitely bears repeating. Bobby, is there any uh, favorite habitat strategy or feature that you like to include in the properties that you're personally managing?
3: Well, uh, my my strategy is to overwhelm them with food, with groceries, and where so uh, I'm trying to carve out as many acres of food plots as I can, and if it means dropping a few trees here and there to create another uh, a little more edge, and um, that's what I'm what I'm gonna try to do. But I want to have as much. And sometimes that makes them tougher to hunt because they can get up and walk any direction and feed. And eat. But when they've got when they've got food right like their hand readily available, you know they're not as apt to, to to walk a long distance. And they're you can you can hold them tighter. And, when, and once we see a deer get through a a year, a solid year of having good nutritious groceries readily available to them, you just you see those body weights begin to increase, and you know it's got to be helping with lameness. You know, you just you just have to trust that it will. But when you when you've got when you've got food there on the property, 12 months out of the year, good nutritious food that's that's the that's the best thing in my opinion that you can do. That and and giving the deer time, letting him letting him letting him get some age on him. And I'm kind of contradicting myself about the kids, but. I mean, you know, kids aren't going to shoot every one of them. Right. So you've got to let some of them go up, but you've just got to overwhelm them with groceries.
2: Okay. Speaking of groceries, Bobby, i got one more question on that before we wrap up. Uh, Food plotting or food, and you guys have been doing it for a long time, uh, you know, like you said, 20-something years. Um, Where do you see food plots going in the next 15, 20 years? Is there anything that jumps out? Uh, anything crazy coming up, or or what do you see? What do you see sure. us doing in fifteen, twenty years?
3: Yeah, well, I think I think you've kind of uh, uh, you may be a little clairvoyant there, Jared. Uh, I think the no is going to play a big role in what's going on, and I think there's probably going to be a little, uh, be more chemistry involved, and uh, so we'll be able to uh, do things with. By, by simply spraying. and, and uh, but as we have also learned that you know that some of these plants like pigweed, they get a little resistant to what's going on and so there's gonna be some challenges, but i do think I, I i do think there's you know we're we're kind of borrowing technology from what's what's occurring in the agricultural industry and um and I think there's gonna be enough uh innovations there that it's going to trickle down and and be and be innovative in the wildlife management area as well
2: awesome awesome thanks for that i uh i know that i've talked to some farmers on some properties around where i hunt and they've been no-tilling for years this is nothing new to them um you know 20 years even so i'm curious to see what's next and i think that's the direction like you said a lot are going to go um well, Bobby, I just want to thank you so much for your time today and, and you know, really, really uh, humbling that you're coming on the show here at the Habitat Podcast. Um, how can people get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you and uh, check out your, your website, whatever that is. I know what it is. Um, and, and what plans do you have going on this fall that are exciting to you?
3: Yeah, well, look, uh, it's my, my, my pleasure out there being Glad to be on here, and, and uh, you know it's it's my it's my pleasure. And uh, probably the easiest way for folks to, get, to find out all, everything that we've got going on, they can just go to moshio dot com, and then across the top you'll see the Gamekeeper icon. You can click on that, and that takes you to Gamekeepers, or you can you'll see the Biologic icon. You can click on that and go to Biologic. Um, and while you're at the Gamekeeper site, sign up for that. We've got this weekly email that goes out, and then. Um, uh, you know, I'd encourage guys that that, that magazine, the Game magazine. It's, it's a really, really neat deal. It's, it's, um, I think it's twenty bucks. So it's twenty five. If you do the twenty five, you get a magazine immediately. So if you're in between when the issues come out, they go back and grab whatever the last issue was and immediately mail it to you. So that's a great deal for 25 bucks. And then my, if you got any questions there, there's like a little link there that so you can email and ask us questions. And we've got several guys here that are really good at at understanding what uh, what's, what's going on in different parts of the world. And we'll route that question to those guys and, and, and get, get answers to everybody. So, you know, Moss today is, is a company that absolutely loves we, – we used to work critters a lot. We love critters and we love land and we just – we just we, we take the responsibility of taking care of it seriously, and we just want to help others. We've learned from our own mistakes and a little you know, sweat equity from trying to do things this way, and we've learned what works. and And if we can help a, help a guy uh, do it a little bit better with and, and not make some of the mistakes that we made, that's, I think that that's a good thing to do.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. And any any plans for you this fall? Any crazy hunts you're going on, or uh, trips with the family? Uh,
3: you know, I don't think anything crazy. Um, I'm I'm hoping uh, to get up into the Midwest and deer hunt this fall. Okay. Uh, I have I've yet to get to do Iowa, and um, so uh, anyway, I've got to apply for a tax. and we'll see what happens.
2: Did did you uh, did you draw your tag?
3: Yeah, well, actually, uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I guess, yeah, to be honest with you, I did draw the tag, so I am I just found out a couple of days ago, so I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Uh,
2: yeah, But I'm,
3: I'm really excited. I've, I've never been to Iowa
2: on a deer hunt before. Well, Bobby, uh, me neither, and after five years, I drew my tag for this year, too, so uh, I'm not sure where you're going, but I wish you the best of luck, and maybe I'll run into you somewhere. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you too. You too. And be sure you know, if you guys get to the shot show or the boat show, y'all come by. Come by the booth.
2: We will do that. We will do that. Yeah, it's great meeting you uh at the show this year and uh, like I said I really appreciate you coming on the show and and wish you luck the rest of the year.
3: Well, I hope I've I hope I've helped. I've some sometimes I sound like it's an old guy rambling, but uh <laughs> I love I love uh I love what you guys are doing and how you're trying to educate people. It's it's it's, it's a good thing, and I wish you guys a lot of luck.
2: Well, thank you very Thanks. much, well, Bobby. You, it was a great, great episode. So I'll let you know when it comes out, and uh, we'll be in touch.
3: Okay. Thank you all so much.
2: All right. Enjoy your day, Bobby. Thanks. Another episode in the books, Brian. What do you think about Bobby Cole from Mossy Oak?
1: Oh, Great guest. He really went into some details that I think our listeners are going to appreciate. And uh, being 44 years old, I learned a lot from Bobby Cole and through Mossy Oak in the early days of food plotting because they were one of the the first on the scene with getting products and information out there. So, really great to talk to him and nice of him to come on and share all that with us.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've been following him for such a long time, whether it was on the the Drury shows or... Or, or whatever, but he's just a wealth of knowledge, and we learned a couple new things there, that, some new ground that we haven't even covered yet. So that's why I love these podcasts, man. and talk to these experts and learn something new every single time. No doubt. Well, I want to thank the listeners for coming on the sh- or listening to the podcast today. We really appreciate it. We'd really love it if you went to our iTunes page or your podcast app on your cell phone and left us a five-star review with some with some great words. Uh, sending out free decals for all the good reviews still, so I got a pile of decals sitting here ready to go. Thank you guys so much for that. I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, The Packer Max Cultipacker. He was a part of the discussion today, Lincoln. So uh, your Cultipacker is doing big things, and we appreciate your support. Uh, Killer Food Plots. Great food plot seed guys. Be sure to check them out at killerfoodplots.com. We have the Habitat Hook for Nick Nation. I know it's not a hinge cutting season, but if you're felling any sort of tree, those things work pretty darn good, so check him out at nationscreations.net. We have the Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, a bunch of turkey videos and bear videos still coming out um, from this spring, and very soon, we're already working on the intro for, uh, for this fall, so the web show does stay pretty updated in terms of if we kill one, we get it edited and put on there pretty quick, so... Mr. What's up, be sure to check them out and dip that hydrographics. I know uh, I haven't talked to Gabe lately, but I have seen some stuff on Facebook He is doing a lot better and uh, you know be sure to support his page Go to dip that hydrographics on Facebook and check them out on there. So We are doing some big things on the YouTube the old youtuber Brian. Uh, what you got coming up there bud?
1: Uh, just some more weekly updates uh, I'm gonna be bringing some progress reports from the killer food plots plots that I've planted and uh, also got Al's farm tour in the works a uh, lot of video a lot, we've got hours of footage it's, I'm just working through it but we're cool. going to start putting different parts up we'll do it in a couple different parts and uh, we've got some other property tours lined up I think people are going to be pretty excited about when that comes out
2: Austin awesome, man, yeah I know uh, I'm going to have some videos coming up on on my food plot equipment. Um, we got a video about how Lincoln's packer can work as some other other cool things. And uh, just be sure to get on our YouTube Habitat Podcast and subscribe. I really appreciate it, guys. And then uh, be sure to find us on our website, habitatpodcast.com. All the podcast episodes are on there. We're going to be offering some apparel on there real soon. We'll let you guys know. So you can also find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast, Be sure to check us out on there. Facebook, Instagram, you guys know the drill. We're on it all. Uh, we love seeing you guys on there. Send in your, your food plot stuff, your your habitat work on the messenger. We chat with people all the time on there about what they're doing and any questions. Just feel free to reach out. So We love you guys. We love the support. And uh, we're going to keep doing this, keep becoming better habitat managers and keep learning. So I want to make sure all the regular guys like us out there can keep getting it done. So thanks again, and we will see you guys next week for another episode.